0: It's time for a big blue kickoff live.
1: Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On
0: Giants.com. You know
2: what I saw? New York Giant Prime.
0: And the Giants mobile app. 17 14 at the final.
3: the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go
0: there like a bunch of dogs,
3: have some fun. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul DeTino, Jeff Feagles with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat, or send it to any one of our usernames. Easy to find us at GiantsWFAN, at Schmelk, at Feagles, And we're talking Giants football with you. Just a ton to discuss today. As we talk Giants football, we can continue to react to Joe Shane's introductory press conference yesterday, but Domino's are also falling in the head coaching world in the National Football League, and that's where we are going to start. So far this morning, here's what we know. Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Matt Eberflus, who was the D.C. for the Indianapolis Colts, will be heading to the Bears. Hackett was the O.C. for the Green Bay Packers. Then... Dan Quinn has made it known to teams, at least this is according to Tom Pelissero and a million other reports on NFL Network, that he will remain as defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Not sure if that was before or after those other things got announced and what the order is there. It really doesn't matter to the Giants. But he will be staying in Dallas as the Dallas defensive coordinator. Obviously, he was one of the interviews the Giants did in person this week at their facility. Now, based on what John Mara said yesterday – It'll be Brian Flores today. It'll be Leslie Frazier tomorrow. They will have announcements on Giants.com about that when those interviews are done. But that was revealed by Giants ownership and Joe Shane yesterday, so not a secret. So we're narrowing it down here, guys. We're getting closer. Uh, Brian Dable, obviously, is someone that that interviewed a couple of days ago. Um Luana Rumo, who only did a Zoom interview unless they do an in-person with, interview with him later, he's right. probably not going to get hired unless that second interview comes or And he's some tied point. up with the Bengals. Right, obviously, so that couldn't happen until yeah. after the AFC Championship game on the way to the Super Bowl. So that's pretty much where we are right now. Patrick Graham, the in-house candidate that was interviewed as well. So that's kind of where we are right now with the New York football giants and their head coaching search. Jeff,
1: your <laughs> thoughts? My thoughts is that let's go. Can we get somebody in here, please? <laughs> well, I imagine that's <laughs> we're not running out happen. of time. That's not yeah. going to
3: happen until the weekend. I would yeah, pass. I understand. I was yes. just
1: being kind of funny there, but I, I yeah. Well, maybe one of them will be named Brian. We got a Brian Dable and a Brian Flores, so maybe we're good there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just this is kind of where you know I think that one thing when you look at this with the Senior Bowl, and of course you guys both know this, especially John, who spends a lot of time down there. You know, that's kind of the coaching. Like Mecca, right? So you would like to have your head coaches in place sooner than later here so that you can kind of go down there and start to dabble in a little bit of the assistance and try to get some of your coaching staff put together.
3: No pun intended.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? So I feel like that's my take. So hopefully the Giants will have something. I, I'm hope Like, what? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Well, look, in terms of when the. I mean, look, they're.
3: they're I'm just. They are doing guessing, an in person right? interview with Leslie Frazier on Friday. So, unless they have to rush something, I imagine it's not going to be after that is completed. Joe Shane basically said yesterday and on the side to media that the earliest would be Saturday morning. Right. So, yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. where okay. we're
1: at. Yeah. There you go. So, that would fall in line with what I just said as far as, you know, going uh, next week to the senior ball. Now, that Jeff, would be good. Yeah. there
4: is one other thing that Joe Shane did admit to. He said if the ownership and he could not come to a consensus, they had a couple of other names that they've already talked about. So this could get a little wider
1: before it actually gets settled. I think that was planted to get those guys off their back. Just go look at the other stuff. (laughs) It's like, we're going to give these guys are hot on our trail right now. Just give them something else that they can go try to figure something else out. Oh, that's what they did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who those guys would be, but – I can't imagine that the candidates that they're interviewing, especially with Brian Dable having a second interview already, that they're going to not pick one of these guys that they're having in the building.
3: And I should say, people shouldn't take much out of the fact that, oh, Dable's having had a second interview and Flores just had one interview. Well, Well, the reason Dable had a second interview is because the first one was like a two-hour Zoom thing, which doesn't really count. It's yeah. the day long at the facility in person interview yeah. that is the one that that really matters. Yeah, to be quite you really should
1: count that as a, as one, right? I mean, the other one was basically you know whatever. You had okay. it's a half. Well, you it's had
3: you had to do those for procedural reasons, right?
1: Right? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. if
3: they hadn't done those video interviews then, and they the won. Bills had one, yeah. you wouldn't be able to talk to those guys again until after the Super Bowl, because only second interviews can be done Correct. next week during the bye. Correct. So that's why that timetable got kind of pushed up right there
1: hey real quickly yes. you know when you asked me that about the coaches here well, not only are all the you can see as the dominoes are falling as you said john uh you got to look at these other teams and now you know the Jaguars looks like they're going to be hiring a new coach, right? I mean, that was announced, I, yeah. I believe. Yeah,
3: it looks like Byron Leftwich is going there, and that's so, only after he power played Trent Baalke out of the building for Adrian Wilson. I was just reading that right here.
1: Like uh, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, right? That's what the Pro Football Talk Twitter uh, is putting up here. But my point is, is that th- this th- everybody's getting hired around the same time. If the Giants can jump in there quickly. They're going to get a chance with the coaches. Because remember, anybody that listened to the press conference yesterday and, and really kind of took a little bit about um, what Joe had said was that it's important about the staff. He wants a good staff in here. And if you're going to drag your feet higher in a coach, yeah. you're going to be behind the eight ball with getting some of these coaches maybe that you need. Because, by the way, guys, you know this. These coaches are in limbo all over the league right now. They're sitting at their desks, looking at their phones, looking on the internet. Their families are relying on information because they don't know where they're going to be going, and so it's very important for these guys to get jobs quickly. And if the Giants are, you know, one of the last teams to hire coaches, then they got to hurry up. Yeah, it it's- should be noted
3: that I bet that. Flores and Dable have been in touch with the guys they would want on their staff, so that's kind of they know well, that could sure. be coming down the pipe.
1: Some of those other guys might be also on the other guys' staff too, and maybe m- my, m- money might talk. Some of the teams might right. say, "Listen, I can give you a little bit more money here." Well, and
3: also just the risk waiting. What happens that's if that it? guy doesn't get the job? That's the timing. exactly yeah. that's the, timing. the biggest thing.
4: Some guys will jump right away as soon as 100%. they get that contract. They're signing it, yeah. bird in hand, right? Bird in hand, I got it. 100%. I got work. I got work. Yeah. I
1: mean, Jeff, I mean, that that's pretty much like the real estate market, right? It, that Well, you better get in line with that. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as players, too, if you sold. remember. Um, <laughs> sold. <laughs> sold before you even get here. What do you mean it's sold? <laughs> um, there's actually a funny thing on Twitter. If you guys are it's, – it's about the real estate market. It's about this guy that is trying to sell an apple and uh they're out in they're out in los angeles and they're doing a bitty war it's just an example of a house and they've got this apple and the guy it's absolutely hilarious the guy's like um uh, five dollars okay five dollars okay uh no twelve fifty, twelve fifty. okay oh god what am i doing uh, all right 100 uh, and the guy's like what did i just do well jeff here's <laughs> the
3: thing and the funny thing is that this is why i brought it up though the demand for these coaching jobs in the league is so hot it's hard to say, no, I'm going to pass on this one and wait for that Can't one. If you it. have one that you like, yeah. you kind of have to take it, even if you think something
1: better might come along. And here's the other mm-hmm. one, too, that makes sense. Remember, there were seven – is it seven coaches that got – head coaches that got fired this year? I think it's – There it's, were
4: nine openings. Yes, nine so it, openings. And so, by the way,
1: Jeff,
3: I'll give the people real quick, just real fast so people have it. So the Broncos, Bears, and Jaguars, we think, are filled. The Saints is now an opening, Right. The Vikings yep. are still an opening. The Dolphins are still an opening. The Giants, obviously, the Houston Texans, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Those still are the teams lot. that are still open. Yeah.
1: And by the way, what I was going for is that the teams that got that fired their coaches, those head coaches or prior head coaches or former pre coaches, those guys are a pretty good opportunity for them to be, you know, offensive defensive coordinators around the league. You know, coming out of a head coach like Vic, Vic Fangio, I'm sure is a guy that you know somebody's going to really look hard at. Some of these other coaches that lost their yeah. jobs as head coaches. Well,
4: Jeff, I still think that uh, Dan Culley is going to wind up being an OC somewhere. Wouldn't sure. surprise like me you said, at all. Sure, He said the
1: other day. Yeah, which by the way, I don't think there's as many OCs out there as there are DCs. I don't know. We can do the math. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think it's imperative that you know that these coaches get hired quickly and you know there's so that you don't have to and i don't know how much of an issue this was guys i know that it was made an issue people talk about it but when Shermer's staff late in the game that he didn't get the great greatest coaches because we people were about taken. yeah no no we talked about it because in
4: many instances he was settling for like his third choice
1: yeah that's bad
4: i mean we you know we knew that at the time and
1: uh, look you don't want to get put in that predicament again th-
4: yeah that that's that's usually not good
1: because you know what, John, you said, you know, there's probably a lot of guys that Flores has got lined up and stuff. But, you know, you had mentioned that he might be able to tell these guys. But Flores doesn't know or or Dable. None of those guys know for sure they're getting the job. So, you know, I'll, and as soon as they announce that they didn't get the job, there goes a, it's the trickle down effect. Like, you know, if you're a coach, and you're like, oh, my God, he didn't get the job. All right. Well, now what do I do? You know, I, is, and we're dwelling down. But there's still a lot of head coaching vacancies to be filled. Um, I just hope the Giants are one of them to do it quickly. Saturday morning's fine with me. I got nothing going on. It's gonna be snowing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like oh, whatever. Go let's go, <laughs>
4: Jeff. I thought you plowed out your own driveway.
1: I do. All right. Well, then you'll be busy. No, my kids will be busy. <laughs> that's pr- that's part of them still living here. Get the heck out of here and start shoveling. And by the way, stay out there all day, will you? Ugh, I love my children. They're just yeah. Anyways,
3: all right. how you doing? <laughs> Two zero one nine. I can't wait till my kids are old enough to shovel my driveway for me. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's open up the phones, Andrea. Start screening some calls. So, do I just want to give one more final thoughts here, just on on Dable and Flores, uh, because we know a lot about Patrick Graham. We obviously are very familiar with him. We talked about Leslie Frazier earlier in the week. Uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about Flores and Dable as much because the press conference kind of got in the way, and right. that was after the interviews were final. So. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, Paul, we could start with you, just, just just on those two. Yeah, the only thing I would
4: say in terms of we know that the Dable-Shane um, connection with Buffalo is very tight, and he knows everything there is to know about Dable. The thing with Flores, yeah, there, there, there is some connection that, that he could still use from the past, from some of the tentacles that have crossed, but I will say this. You know that Shane was with the Bills now for the last handful of years, and he has seen the Dolphins up close and personal in each of the six opportunities that the Dolphins played the Bills. Now, even though the Bills have, in recent years, dominated that series, and I believe I believe they won all six of those games against the Dolphins, what you can say is that because uh, Shane may or may not have been in the building, I don't know this, but I'm sure he got a good look at those games. So he probably, even if it's only a bird's-eye view, has seen what Flores does as a coach, how he operates, and what his teams do on the field in terms of they play for him. We all know that. We've we've heard everybody talk about people play for Flores. They will put out. They will be intense. They will fight you to the end of the game. I'm sure that Shane has taken notice of that when he has watched his own bills play them.
3: Not to mention the fact that Joe Shane has a relationship with Chris Greer. He knows people in that building, so all that other stuff, whatever happens down there, he should be able to get all the intelligence
1: he needs on what the deal is and what happened. So you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing, John. Yep, that that question's being asked in that meeting. What? What's John going on? John Harris said it would be. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get some good info. Well, I mean, we won't, but they will. <laughs> they will.
3: Yeah, but look, I mean that Jeff, that that's really the most important question here, right? I think we uh, know I think it's a big big part of it. From a coaching the team perspective, relationship with the players, scheming up the defense. I think you feel pretty good about what Brian Flores brings. It's the other stuff. You know, the the working in lockstep in the organization, you know, the way Joe Shane talked about that yesterday, you know, we don't know what's true coming out from down there. We've heard a lot of things come out of here that people think are true. And we know being be in the building that it's not. So what's true and what's not, that's what they're going to have to get to the bottom to. And I think we have to feel confident that with Shane's friends and you, the tentacles, as Paul mentioned, he should get a pretty good feel as to exactly what happened in that building. You know, what's
4: interesting, John, and I don't know if anybody's actually thought about this, but, Brian Flores and Patrick Graham and Joe Judge Pryor, they're like brothers. They all told us they were like brothers, right? And when Flores went to Miami, he hired Patrick Graham to be his defensive coordinator and then allowed Patrick Graham to come up to New York because Patrick Graham said this was home for him. He liked it here. He wanted to be here. Okay, so you go ahead, go with Joe Judge, go be defensive coordinator and and assistant head coach. And so that's why he allowed Graham to come up to Big Blue, Well, think about this now. Both of those guys have now interviewed for the same head coaching job. And I would think under normal circumstances, right, the Giants would probably have wanted to ask Patrick Graham something about Brian Flores and say, okay, what can you tell us about him? What do you know about him? But now since they're both going for the same job, that would be a very unique conversation. And I'm not trying to make light of it because I don't think there's anything to to be laughed at. It's... It's, it's an interesting dynamic, and I don't know, can you even do that? Can you ask Patrick Graham, what is a Brian Flores Dolphins team like when he's a head
3: coach? Yeah, I'm not sure Patrick can Graham you? Is, is. I don't think he's going to say anything negative I don't about think Brian he will. Flores. So, no, I don't think he will. And but I'm not sure how useful that would be, you know? Is it an awkward question? Yeah, it it's could be, right? Yeah, absolutely, question. for sure. Yeah, it is I think you could question. probably.
1: I think you could probably get some information out of him in a roundabout way without the direct question. But, you know, you don't, I don't know if you're going to go there. Um,
4: I do think you would ask Brian Flores, though, if you were to get the job, is Patrick Graham you're likely D.C.? Mm-hmm. I think that you can ask. Sure.
1: Well, you know, and, John, you'd ask me about the two coaches. I think, you know, I'm going to put where Joe Shane is involved in this, and I think they – you know, obviously he has a relationship with both of them. Um, I feel like some of the things that the takeaways from what he said yesterday in his meeting – I think would lend to both of these coaches, um, and I. But I feel like you know, if you wanted to get into, kind of like connect the dots with Brian Dayball, just being a familiar with what they did up there, having the ability to maybe not have to explain a lot of the things to him because they've already been through some of the stuff. Whereas Brian Flores, I think that he has the experience. As a head coach, which I think is important, but it's not as important as, as Joe Shane indicated. He doesn't care if a guy has been a head coach or not. But I feel like you know it may take a little bit of time to get Brian Flores on some of the same pages as Joe Shane, just because of their unfamiliarity, as far as like not being together like Brian Dable was for four years with the two. So maybe that's his, But I you know I think equally, um, you know they're they're a defensive coach and they're an offensive coach. You know I kind of wanted the offensive coach. Just because, and but on the other hand, I also wanted a head coach that's already been a head coach. So I don't think I'm going to get my cake and eat it too here. Well, that, well, <laughs> and that's the thing. Whenever
3: you go through these head coach searches, it's hard to check every box you want to check. Yeah, You're going to you really have to do. make a sacrifice somewhere. just a no matter yep. of where you make the sacrifice. Right.
1: Yep. Yep. Good point. And I think that that's that's. I think everybody's looking in that way, and uh, it's not a perfect science, right? It's just like the drafting. You do You never know. But man, I hope they get it right this time. I really was in. I didn't get a chance to, you know, to talk to you guys yesterday. Um, I know you guys had a good show. I just wanted to, you know, my take on the press yeah, conference. Yeah, go ahead, please. Well, well, just real shortly, is that I, I tried to look at it in a different way because I, I, I've, I've been in the last three you know, press conferences with McAdoo and then uh, Shermer and Joe Judge. And coming out of all of those meetings, with the exception, uh, I think they were all dressed good. McAdoo had a little problem with that one that day, <laughs> if you guys remember. But Jeff coming out of the meeting... the shot, Jeff, that was unnecessary. Wow. Well, come on. Wow. You know, everybody made fun of the way he looked that day. So, anyways, my here's my thing. I, I looked at it a little bit different because the head coach is way different than the general manager. So I didn't want to look at it as the same kind of like, you know, I was impressed. But I feel like he answered all the questions in a very intelligent way. But I also felt like... I, he has such a vision on what he wants to do and he's a guy that we know that people talked about like, you know, you're not gonna outwork him. I could see that. Um I and I and I liked it and I really did and I think that hey, I look, think he's
3: Jeff yeah, Jeff, he's a blue collar Midwest exactly. Indian his dad worked at Walmart. I mean yeah. like this he's like a blue collar Midwestern dude. Like and, that's what he is.
1: And I'm not saying that, you know. Nobody else is like that. I mean, I think that many people that get in those types that are to a level where he's gotten in his life is all about work ethic and what he's done. And there's a lot of people that are in the same way. But I like his demeanor. I like the way he he talked to the press. I like the way that he um, you know, his mannerisms and trying to take a little bit. of. I think I, I liked it a lot now. I'm going to throw caution to the wind, just like everybody else, because I feel like I was blown away with Joe Judge two years ago. Oh my goodness, you know that was a heck of a press conference. Um, so, but I liked it, and I, I'm I'm just hoping that the next step with his hiring process is going to be a home run too. And this thing just you know get the get the train back on the tracks, guys. Let's go. Get right, it going. We,
3: we touched on floors a couple things on Dable. I did a little bit of a deep dive into the offense that uh-huh. the Bills ran last year. A couple notes, just I think that are interesting. I looked at the last two years. What some of their numbers were. Uh, deep pass offense, both years. Sixth in the league in deep pass attempts. Um, screen passes, top 12 in the league both years. So I like to use a screen. We mentioned play action, third and fourth in the league last two years in terms of number of screen passes. I mean number of play action passes, excuse me. I like to run play action. Um, seventh highest RPO percentage in the league this year. So a lot of RPOs with Josh Allen. Not a surprise. Uh, we saw. I saw a lot of that. I rewatched the uh, their playoff game against the Chiefs on mm-hmm. the coaches tape. A lot of RPOs in that <laughs> game. There were um, middle of the league in terms of bunch formation. Uh, middle of the league in terms of like empty, you know, three by one formations and two by twos. Not a lot of th- not a lot of trips actually. Usually you see a lot. You know, that's another no. modern thing. There's actually they're 22nd in three by ones this year, 28th the year before. So a lot of two by two stuff from them. Not a lot of pre-snap motion, which a lot of people were kind of, you know, up in arms about about what the Giants did this past year. They were 22nd this year in motion plays, 26th last year. So not a lot of pre-snap motion. Uh, Rarely used 12 personnel. Fewest snaps in 12 personnel there's any NFL team this year. Mm -hmm. Second fewest last year. So two years in a row, I don't know, not sure I can consider that a coincidence. That's something they're doing intentionally. So. They got a sh- good one. Knox six up there. They do. Sixth in shotgun percentage this year. Sixteenth last year. So those are the ones that they were super heavy eleven personnel. They're over seventy one percent in eleven personnel right. last year and this year. So that's what they're mostly in. Has to do with their talent, too, obviously. Beasley, Diggs, Gabe Davis, good players. Exactly. So those are kind of the things that that jumped out to me. They actually use a lot of uh, a lot of ten personnel Paul, a lot of four wide receiver uh-huh. stuff. The mm-hmm. uh second most in the league last year, third most in the league this year. So those are some of the things on, on some of the, you know, offensive schematic stuff with Dable that I thought was interesting over the last couple of years.
4: And they're not afraid to throw the single terry out of the backfield.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I know that Josh Allen is, he's, he's a big boy now. Um, you know, he's and got I know a gun that, too, <laughs> but I, I feel like, you know, everybody's wanting to, to have Daniel Jones be Josh Allen. Let's, let's throw a little caution to the wind there. Um, but you know, is there certain things in that Dable per- personnel groupings that can get him to maybe another level? I see that happening, but I don't want to, you know, I, st- I want to squash the idea that you're that it's going to be the second coming of Josh Allen. I don't think that's I don't think that's this should be a comparison. I think they do have some good running styles similarities, but I think they're they're not exactly alike in my mind. What about you guys?
4: Well, Allen's a lot more sturdy. I said to John Bigger. the other day Dude, on the show yeah. that Josh Allen, when he when he's taken off with the ball, he reminds me of a tight end. And exactly. Daniel Jones does not remind me of a tight end. No, yeah. he
1: hasn't shown to have that sort of yeah. um, he's like a six four, you know, wide receiver body. Right. You know? He's not so, that sturdy. He's just yeah. not.
3: Adam Schefter reporting, by the way, that the Saints have requested permission to interview Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Oh. So the Jaguars better hurry up. <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> the well, I mean, better hurry up. <laughs> wow!
1: Oh, All right, two zero one nine
3: three nine four five one three. Let's start doing some phone calls. Let's get them in. Give us a call, guys. We have some open lines, and we'll talk some Giants football. Mike in Brooklyn will lead us off today. Mike, what's going on?
5: Hey, hey, guys. How are you? What's Hi. up? Um, I was just—I uh, had one quick question. Um, does Brian Dable call his game from the uh, the the booth?
3: No, he's on the sideline, downstairs. Oh, he is. Yes,
5: I, I was under the impression that he was in the booth because I was trying to think how that would work. I, the only only guy I used to I remember was North Turner who used to call his plays when he was offensive coordinator from the booth, and then when he became the head coach, obviously it came down to the sideline. So, uh, well, if that, you're not, that, not the that, head coach, just, let me make I, something clear it, to you. Did,
4: one second, one second. Well, this, if you let me make something clear to you, if you're not the head coach calling the plays, there are some OCs who'd rather be upstairs, yeah. some who'd rather be downstairs, and sometimes the head coach will say, I will tell you where you're going to like be. Dan
3: Quinn, I think, just as a DC, doesn't Dan Quinn call his defense from the booth? I think yes, he's he does. upstairs, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And I'll give you a good example. When Kevin Gilbride was with the Giants, right? He actually tried upstairs in the booth, and then Tom Coughlin said, No, no, I want you downstairs yes. next to me. And I think Gilbert actually
3: preferred to be in the booth. He did. And
1: Tom's like, <laughs> <He> No. <laughs> <He doesn't> get <laughs> away <laughs> from Tom Coughlin on nope. the
4: sidelines. <laughs> and Tom said, You're coming downstairs. And that was it. He was downstairs.
5: Uh, I appreciate that, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, too. You too, Thank Mike. You. Thanks
4: for yeah. the call, man.
3: Good call.
4: I think all special teams coordinators are downstairs, aren't they, Jeff? Oh, Those 100%. guys are never upstairs. Well, well, I th- I they, I think that, isn't be. that because
3: they have to organize
1: the personnel exactly. Jeff yeah, yeah. and yeah, because guys get hurt, you know? Um if they're you know, you you have one of your wide receivers is a gunner and he's out of the game, you gotta you know, no, obviously your assistant could do that, but <laughs> excuse me, I don't think there's any reason for them to be up there because they they've got their pulse on the whole team. I mean you think about how many players play special teams? And, you know, there's, there, the big four, at least, is like that's a lot. So, And then there's also injuries in the game and things like that. So the special teams court has got to be on the sideline.
3: 201-939-4513. We have some open lines, folks. If you want to get in, get in. We could take your calls here in the Giants coaching search and, of course, on the uh, press conference from uh, Joe Shane yesterday. A uh, lot of stuff going on in the NFL. We're going to have a lot of hires now coming up here. In the next few days, that that's just kind of how this is going to go, yeah. uh, as a lot of these jobs get filled. These, some of the Saints head coach candidates are, by the way, uh, Aaron Glenn, who I believe is in house. Right? Is he their defensive backs coach in house for the Saints, Aaron Glenn, or is he somewhere else? I know he's a defensive. the Lions. Right. He is the defensive coordinator for the Lions. Thank yeah. you. That's exactly yeah. where he is. You're right. Thank you. Byron Leftwich and Dennis Allen, who of course is their in house candidate. Sean um, Payton there. threw
4: his support behind Dennis Allen right away at Boy his God. presser the other day. So who knows if that will account for much.
3: Ian Rappaport, the Dolphins plan to have second interviews early next week, a source said. They continue their search for a head coach despite the flurry of activity today. In Miami. Today, there is no rush in Miami. So, Hmm. No rush, huh? No
4: rush. Longer <laughs> you wait. Just buy or beware.
3: Unless there's – That that almost tells me that there's someone that they know they want that nobody else wants, so they're not worried about it. But that is a risky business to to, to play. Sure is. Sure is. Somebody
1: else might think the same thing that you're thinking, right? Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Did that that just
3: happen? (laughs) 201-939-4513. Let's go to John in Charlotte. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. John A.,
2: Hey guys, how are you? What's Good. up? Oh, Hi. I heard you on the I heard you covering the Bills a few uh weeks ago when Murph was out and uh shot you Noted know that, that was kind of like my two worlds colliding. That was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> thank uh, you, Tino. Uh, a plug uh, for
4: you. Yeah, Murph, Murph just so uh, people understand, Murph had uh, COVID, the legendary announcer yeah. play-by-play guy <laughs> for the Bills radio team and and I wound up subbing and doing the Bills Jets game that day for them on WGR Radio. And that was a lot of fun. Did so thank you.
2: It was great. You did a great job on that.
3: I appreciate it. Um, I live
2: actually. My I used to live like four doors down from Murph before I moved to Charlotte. So, but I, I moved to moved to Charlotte from uh, New Jersey. Season ticket holder to the Giants. Loved White, Wright. Lived through Orchard Park and through Buffalo all these years, and then uh, all the turmoil. So really, a lot of parallels, and I could see why they hired Shane. Um, you know, McDermott came in first. Bean followed him over. And they just brought, like, common sense. And you're going to hear the word, the process, an awful lot. I, I smiled yesterday during the press conference when he said that a few times. Get used to that word or that phrase because McDermott and Bean said that relentlessly the first couple of years. And uh, it's just a real exciting time as a Giants fan and as a Bills fan now because they're living there. You kind of rubbed off both. Um, but it's just cool to see um, if he could bring over – what McDermott and Bean brought to the Bills after a lot of turmoil and Buddy Ryan and his brother and all that mess and bring some sanity and maturity and a process that works and bring us to the 21st century. Um, the Giants are going to be in a great great position and it would be great to have a Bills-Giants rematch the Super Bowl at some point in time.
3: Yeah, So I just wanted to
2: share that perspective, guys. Thank Very you, good. John. Appreciate yeah. the
3: call, man. And look, I think... You know, the key here when you look at it, and this is what I mentioned, right, when they did their general manager interviews, like you're not going to hire a guy because, uh, you know, obviously you want him to be a good evaluator, but you're not going to know if he's a good evaluator based on, you know, one interview. But you can figure out if the process of how he goes about evaluating players, how he wants to build a front office, how he wants to build a cohesive organization is something that should work. Now, that doesn't guarantee results. It gives you the best chance at results, though, if your process is correct. So calling it a process, and again, I'll stress, I said this yesterday, I say it again, that this could be a long-term process. Like, you might not have, you know, solutions and answers and everything fixed in one year, or maybe even two, but that's where they are right now. And I think, you know, it is going to be a process. You know, John and, and Jeff, we all talked about the nine GM
4: candidates that the Giants had brought in and tried to discuss some of the similarities and some of the differences between them. And what was the one thing that we found that was almost universal? Because eight of the nine guys had had scouting experience at the NFL level and also at the collegiate level in terms of scouting prospects. And when Joe Shane said yesterday that he's coming down from Buffalo, needs to catch up on free agency, but he had already done basically the first four rounds of the draft board for the Bills, that tells you a lot about where the Giants were looking in terms of they wanted a GM who was going to be heavy in the college scouting process and heavy in digging his hands into the dirt trying to find out how they're going to make sure they get this draft right. And I know we didn't get a chance to talk to you about that yesterday, Jeff, but, you know, when Shane said that, you know, we got we had the first four rounds of the the draft board ready in Buffalo already, so I know what I'm doing there. My ears perked up immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, mine did too. I also, you know, the other thing too that it perked my interest. I just reading through, you know, just obviously yesterday with the press conference, there was a lot of stuff that was out there that. Uh, and Joe Shane did a lot of interviews so if you go on Twitter or any of your social media stuff you can follow some of these interviews on you know radio stations or what have you um, he's got a lot of plans <laughs> he's got a lot of process he talked a lot about those things about the scouting department and how uh, you know the Giants have done it one way and now they're you know the the wave of the future is this way and they're going to be segueing into more of that you mentioned He mentioned yesterday about his – he didn't want to call it analytics. He called it data innovation. Was that the name I thought I heard it was? So, I mean, this is all kinds of things like, you know, we're talking about what a lot of other teams are doing or may or may not be doing, but I think that Joe Shane has a vision and that process is going to be how to turn around that scouting department so they can position themselves as things you just talked about, Paul.
4: That's important. Without a doubt. And one other thing, John, we talked yesterday on the program – Uh, And uh, I believe it was a caller brought up that Shane had mentioned 11 draft picks. The Giants, as far as today stands, they have nine draft picks in this draft. Okay, unless there's something coming that we don't know about. Again, it could be compensatory picks or something else that we don't know about. As of this morning, the Giants do have nine draft picks. So I think he probably misspoke. But again, there may be something else in the works that we don't know.
3: Right, and again, we we had this. I messed it up last week. I I thought we, the Giants had eleven too, and I was wrong <laughs> because they traded two sevenths away in the fall. In the oh god, it was the Bredesen trade. They needed Pierce, and is the Keon Cross trade? Cross, I yeah. think with the Pierce two was uh, B.J. Hill. Correct. Right. So um, no, you know what? It actually might have been as part of the price deal too. Whatever it so was, there were two trades where they had you know where they had seventh rounders going out. They and, off two of them. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that's kind of how they got to where they are. 201-939-4513. Montreal in Miami, he's up next. Montreal. what's going on?
0: Hey, hey. how are you doing, guys? Uh, I just have a quick question. I uh, listened in the other day, and I heard uh, Paul and a lot of other guys mention Dan Quinn a lot. And my question is, why, why, why are we not talking about Doug Peterson? For what he did for, for what he did and how he rallied those guys back in philly that year when his starting quarterback went down and he rallied those guys back with the backup quarterback and beat the quote- unquote greatest quarterback of all time. usually when your starting quarterback goes down you're done you're cooked that's it but what he was able to do with those with a backup quarterback why, why are this guy never considered?
3: Yeah, and you know, the funny thing, he hasn't really been interviewed for any other jobs either, as far as I could tell, yeah. right? Did he interview for
1: Jacksonville's job, maybe? I think was he that the only one? one. Yeah, I think it was Jacksonville.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, Montreal, it's a good question. Bears also, Bears apparently. also. Because, look, obviously he has an appealing candidate. He's a Super Bowl-winning head coach. I understand why you would ask that question. I, I do not know why he was not in the Giants mix as a candidate. I don't have an answer for you, to be honest with you. Uh, looks like also
4: Jacksonville.
3: Yeah, they Jacksonville have, have all, and Chicago. Jacksonville right? and Chicago are okay.
4: the two mm-hmm. that look like they talked to him. And uh, oh, wait, Vikings too? Vikings too. Apparently, uh, the, the CBS okay. Sports uh, Vikings head coaching tracker says that Doug Peterson was also talked about there as well. Um, no, it's, it's impossible for us to know why or why not, but if there were nine vacancies and he's only been attached to three out of the nine, there's got to be a reason why a bunch of teams would not make that phone call. I I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is, Jeff. You don't know what it is either. But, I mean, let's put it this way, okay? If a guy is on most of the lists, then it's pretty obvious he's a hot commodity. And if he's only on a few of the lists, he must not be a hot commodity.
0: Okay, that's interesting. It is interesting. Because <laughs> um, remember, wait, the NFL is a very
4: tight league. No question. You okay. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows everybody, or knows somebody who knows somebody who can make a phone call. You know, so you always got to be kind
3: of wow. wary.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's all I had. Thank
3: you. You're welcome. All right, Thanks appreciate for the call. In two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Emilio out in Staten Island. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, B?
0: What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? We're Hi. We're
3: good.
1: Super. <laughs> Super. <laughs>
0: I wish that's a name, uh, you know, that's linked to us pretty soon. I like
1: that'd yeah. Be nice. oh, God sure.
0: Well, I, I like this guy. He seemed like he had a nice, quiet confidence about him. And, Paul, you stole my thunder a little bit. Because when he brought up that first to fourth rounds, boy, did I perk up like I can't tell you.
4: Well, I mean, look, Brandon Bean made it very clear to us. Um, John, were you on the call with him? Yep. Okay. Brandon Bean did a video call, that's right, with the Giants media um, when Joe Shane got the job because everybody wanted to talk to him about Joe. And Bean was just totally forthright and said, look, he was my right-hand man. He was involved in everything. And if there was something that by chance he was not involved in – I made sure to catch him up and give him all the information so that he did know it. Mm -hmm. So this guy, I I, I guess, I I know there's no substitute for experience and you have to sit in the big guy's chair before you can truly be the big guy. But it sounds like that Bean prepared Joe, Joe Shane to be the general manager in a in a such an enthusiastic way that he was kind of a pseudo general manager in a way. I mean, Bean made the final calls on everything, but he made sure that Shane was kind of like sharing that chair. It was almost like the way he described it. He didn't use this term. He was almost like a co general manager up there. It sounded like that, right, John? The way he talked That's, about it. I mean, it be basically said we broke bread together and everything.
0: Well, and another thing I really liked is what Mara said, and he told the truth. We did everything to screw this poor kid up. You mean Daniel Jones? Yeah, which is a 1,000% the truth. I'm an advocate for him. I mean, he came in as a rookie. Look what he did as a rookie. You don't do that as a rookie and then fall on your face. You know, when you're doing the three-step drop and you're not even getting your third foot down and you're being swallowed, I don't care who the hell you are as a quarterback, you're not going to do good.
4: Two things that Joe Judge said, which I think are indisputable, and I think anybody who knows anything about football will agree with this, but it's not the whole package. He he talked about uh, Daniel Jones' attitude, his work ethic. Joe Shane, you mean. Uh, Joe Shane talked about Daniel Jones' attitude, his work ethic, his desire to win, and he said there's no doubt he's got the skill set. That stuff is true. He's got the physical tools, and he's got the attitude and the mental makeup and all that stuff. The question is, does he have all of the other ingredients in the meatloaf to do it on the field and produce at a high level? That's the part. A thousand percent. Well, that's the part, though, that Joe Shane needs to figure out because the Giants are in a prove-it year for Daniel Jones. I mean, there's definitely things
0: he needs to clean up. I'm not going to say he's a perfect uh, 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 player. There's definitely things he needs to clean up. But give the poor kid a a legitimate shot to either succeed or or fail before you throw in the towel. That's all I say. And
1: that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to do that. I, and I, never... I,
0: I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really happy that I heard that. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'm glad Maver fessed up and said, listen, I mean, we pretty much threw this kid under the bus the last three years.
3: Appreciate the
1: call, Emilio. He definitely got ran over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Hey, look. He basically and, got thrown under the bus with the bus had no wheels. It just sat right on him. It's and funny. and just to be clear, that doesn't mean
3: that we're um assuming that if the situation was great, he would be like a top five quarterback in the league either. That's not what we're saying. No. What we're saying is that there's just a lot of unknowns still because of what's been going on around him. And I will say this. I know people, you know, go on and about his rookie year and how great it was. It was a good rookie year, but I just want to caution one thing, all right? He had 13 touchdowns and no interceptions in three games that year against three terrible teams. He had four touchdowns and no interceptions against the Jets, four touchdowns and no interceptions against the Lions, and five touchdowns and no interceptions against the Washington football team. Those are literally, I believe, all three of those teams, I think they either one, two and three or one, two and like four. Excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. In the draft that year. And that I think really inflated his numbers in his rookie year a little bit. So I think people that look at the rookie year and say, oh, well, look at did his rookie year. He would, he would be do that all the time if things were right. I think people need to break a little bit on that, too. It doesn't mean that there's not talent there, and he could be a good quarterback if yeah. the right pieces are around him. But I think some things about that rookie year get, you know, a little out of proportion from time to time is my point.
1: Well, let's <laughs> let's look at this, too. You, you have a new general manager in here who did not draft Daniel Jones. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to just say it the way it is. That That automatically – Okay, uh, if you're Daniel Jones, it's you got to understand that. Okay, this is somebody new. I've got to prove myself. Okay, which now the organization is saying the same thing. We, you got a you got a uh, a fourth year coming up. This is a prove it year for you. We're gonna do whatever we can. We're very limited. You heard Joe Shane, uh, the cap. It's real and it's 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 a problem. Uh, you know the draft picks are great, but you know maybe a couple of those high draft picks can help the offense maybe the offensive line, but the bottom line, what you're saying, John, is that, you know, I think this is kind of like, dude, you're going to have to show us what you got to do this year. And man, we're hoping that it's good because we feel like you can play, but the following year, when we're a little bit healthier as an organization, when it comes to draft capital uh, money and things like that, and our roster is kind of proceeding in the right direction. If you're going to be a part of that, you're going to have to show it to us this year. And that's why I do believe there's going to be a competition in camp at the quarterback position because they're, they're going to Daniel Jones will be on this roster regardless whether he's starting or well, not, because, and, you know, right? Yeah,
3: Jeff, and, and, here, and here's the quiet part that's not said out loud, but I think you kind of heard it when they were asked about Deshaun Watson. The Giants do not have the wherewithal to trade for a clear-upgraded quarterback right now. They don't have the cap space. You don't want to trade two top-ten picks. So where is this clear-upgrade coming from? That's the, that's the quiet not. part. Like, if there was a way for some great quarterback to land in the Giants' lap and they could figure out how to do it, they, talking about it. they might very well
1: consider that.
3: Yeah. But that's not a realistic possibility given where the team is with the cap situation and where they are in terms of the developmental process.
1: And by the way, there's probably a lot of people that say, oh, why can't we trade for someone? Well, you're looking at a team that just won four games. Do you know what Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> cap number is next year? Forty-something?
3: $42 million. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Forty-two million dollars <laughs> and two draft picks, number one draft pick. Right. Picks if you
3: want so, it. and yeah. they just don't—they're not in the situation with the cap. Yeah. So, uh, it's just one of those deals where the it makes sense based on the town and what's happened here to give Daniel Jones a shot with a better situation. But it's also out of necessity. Let's be honest. It's the only smart thing to do. It's logically only, speaking, it's the only realistic possible option. Been saying this for months. We've all been saying this for months. All right, let's go to—is it Christian next, uh, Andrew? Is that who was up next? I think so. Christian in Albany. You're up next, Bud. How are you? Hey guys, doing good.
6: Real excited about uh, the new hire, and I just want to say, you know, from a long term approach here, we got to give this guy a chance and be patient and not at any point next year should we be questioning his job or anything like that. And that goes for the coaches that are coming in as
3: well. Yep. I said that same thing yesterday, Christian, two thumbs up, 100% with you all the way. Patience, patience, my friend, patience.
6: Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, if, if our win now window isn't quite here yet, then trading for the quarterback, you know, it's, it's kind of going trying to go in two different directions. So, you know, why not just, Give Jones another chance. He hasn't had many good environments on the team yet to, to try to, you know, do well. And um, as far as Jones, you know, I, I think he's at least the top 20 quarterback, and I'm not going to complain over that. I think that's that's pretty good. And uh, But they do need to get him a pretty good backup because, you, you know, based on what's going on so far, you can't just count on him every single game.
3: We we we've been saying that too, Christian. We agree. That's totally fair. And I think
6: I think I think it's possible for them to get a guy in the top 40 range, you know, without spending tons of money. It's just it's going to take a lot of a lot of due diligence because, you know, the guys in the top 40 range still make your offense look somewhat decent.
3: You mean top 40 range in terms of the draft you're talking about?
6: Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just saying in terms of quarterback ranking. like Oh, you mean in terms of, quarters, of a backup the,
3: quarterback being a top 40 guy you're talking about?
6: Yes, yes. Okay. A strong backup where, you know, maybe they're making a few million, but, you know, they're not going to let everything fall apart.
3: No, Christian, it's all fair. I appreciate the call, man. All right, thanks. Good Thank stuff. You. The question uh, is, he's
4: talking about a Nick Foles type, is what he's talking about. Yeah, Nick. Look, we, we went
3: through the names. Yeah, we did. last week. We Tyrod Taylor Andy Dalton, Nick Foles. Uh, who were some Chubisky. of the other guys we brought up? Chubitsky, yeah. another guy in that mix. You know, that's, it's a list. It's got it's got Marcus be a, Mariota, Gordon, McCoy, Gardner Gardner Minshew. Yeah. go through the list he, exactly. Cole exactly. McCoy again. You know, you know. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if he's in that group. Rob, well, yeah, I think I'm he's in. Dorm, I think he's a level. He's below. A so, level so do yeah. I. Yeah. So do I. He's fine, but he's, he's, he's not a guy that's going to compete for a starting job. You know, and
4: here, here's the thing, just yeah, to right. enhance the logic behind Daniel Jones, you know, if you get through the first half of the season, and we don't know what Joe Shane wants to do, we don't know his M.O., and I haven't studied the Buffalo Bills contract methodology to tell you if he talks to players during the season and tries to do deals and re-sign them and give them extensions during the year. Some guys don't do that, John, right? Some guys will say, we will not talk during the season. Well, and some players don't want to do it either. Some players don't want to do it either. That's Mm -hmm. true. I would think if I'm the Giants, reasonably, I would go to Daniel Jones and say, Daniel, look, we understand this fifth-year option is coming up in May. Now, if they've already decided in their heads that they think the fifth-year option is worth the gamble, regardless, that the price isn't too absorb- exorbitant and they're just going to pick it up, then that means they've decided
3: to roll the dice and pick it up. Which, given the cap situation at this point, I would think I that's unlikely. unlikely. I, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Okay? But again, who knows? Maybe, we don't, we maybe, don't know that. Maybe the new head coach comes in and falls in love with the guy and they want to do it. Who knows? Maybe they want to do that. Right. But but that's certainly a roll of the dice and it's
4: rather expensive. I would think they would not do that. I think they will put him through the prove it season. Well... After a couple of months, if by the middle of the season you've seen enough, Daniel Jones stays on the field, and you've seen him perform well enough that you've started to make that decision like, you know what, let's see if we can get him signed up. There's nothing wrong with then talking to him and saying, hey, we got a four-year deal on the table. Let's get this sucker done. And if it's not working out and he's struggling and the team isn't moving the ball and it looks like he's not the guy, then you just let him play out the
3: season and he goes free. So, what's the harm? 201-939-4513. Let's go to Ross in Philadelphia. He's up next. Ross. Guys,
7: how you doing? Love the show. Thank you. I agree with the last couple. I agree with the last couple callers, you know, you're only as good as the people around you. You guys know that. You have a great team there and uh that makes the show great. So, you know, let's put up the foundation this year give Daniel a chance. Um, that's my one. And I'm very excited for, you know, who the next head coach is going to be. I, you know, I'm anxious as anybody. I want to get someone in the building to get work done with Joe Shane. But um, I'm all for, you know, doing two interviews, calling uh, references, and really letting it um, marinate a little bit before we pull the trigger on something. Um, my non-Giants question is, you know, we, we saw in the Bills and the Chiefs game how – how good of a game that was, right, how back and forth it came down to the, to the wire and everything, uh, and it came down over time, unfortunately, with the coin flip kind of judged things, but that's another story. How um, – and NFL is not hurting for ratings either, but what kind of ideas do you guys have um, that would make, you know, games throughout the season um, across all teams better, you know, more competitive? I mean, they're competitive now, but, you know, if we could get more, um, you know, giving state teams that don't make the playoffs, giving them – an extra draft pick, you know, ideas like that, um, or a little bit more money to spend in free agency or more players that they can keep on their roster. Any ideas like that, that you guys have, that would make, um, you know, the games more, more competitive, um, like we saw in the bills and the Chiefs game.
1: Great. Thanks for the call, Ross. Appreciate it. Um, thank, thank you
3: guys. honestly, I think,
1: I think, they I do think the
3: NFL's plan. in a good spot.
1: Yeah. I think they, you know, the comp, comp, compensatory picks, I think that's part of it. um, you know, I, they do a lot to to try to get the parity where it needs to be. It's never going to be equally like all thirty two teams, but I think that I think the NFL does a pretty good job. I, I agree with you, John. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you
3: see teams, you see like you know, almost half the playoff teams change every year, right? Give or take something like that. I mean, this year the Jets beat the Titans, and uh, what other playoff team did they beat? They beat another playoff team, the Jets, this year. And like, you, it was as of the game, and you like, could it was it the oh, Raiders? Yeah, the Indeed? Raiders
4: maybe. No, they lost the Raiders game. Who was they, it? they beat a second I think, playoff I think team. They I don't did remember who two it is, but
3: you know, they almost beat the Bucs. It is really almost beat the Bucs. They did almost beat the Bucs. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants almost beat Kansas City. It is. It is. An, and they it, did beat the Raiders. It is in an any given Sunday league. I mean, that's what it is. So, I'm with Jeff. I don't think any more. Anything more has to be done because. Really I mean look again, this is the God's honest truth. what separates the teams that are constantly great for the teams that aren't? it's having a great quarterback and there's nothing the league can do that can help teams get great quarterbacks. There's only so many of them around. what's the league yeah. supposed to do about that? And
1: I, I don't I don't think like the bottom quarter of the league if they were if they were given a first another first round draft pick, that, you know, there could be – there maybe that's something uh, – this is just spitballing right here, guys. But, you know, maybe they do something like that, where, but they couldn't trade it. You know, they have to use it because it was given to you. Oh, Cincinnati. Jets beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati. that That was okay. Mike White's yeah. 400-yard pass. Oh, that's, in. that's, that's right. That's right. the pan. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. before they played the Bills. Yeah. And then they got
3: whacked by Buffalo. No, the, the Colts first. Then they got whacked by Buffalo. Yes. There you go. mm mm-hmm.
4: Hey, you, you, you know, one of the things that, that I've often talked about, but you'd have to do it universally across the league, and it would help the good teams as well as the bad teams, would to be if you gave them, like the NBA has and the NHL had, where you could buy out a bad contract, and this way you could alleviate some of your
3: salary cap hell.
4: And that bought-out contract
3: doesn't hit the salary cap.
4: Right. But the problem Uh, with that is you'd have to do it universally. I don't think you could start picking and choosing. No, you can't, no. And once you do that universally, well, now good teams could do that too. That actually helps the good teams more than the bad teams because the good teams are usually up against the cap more than the bad teams are. So you could say that that works in reverse, but yet there are certainly bad teams in certain situations that do have cap trouble or do have real expensive contracts that they'd like to get out from under. Who might that be? (laughs) Uh
3: Whatever. <laughs> Jeff, well, I, I, I interrupted you before. I apologize.
1: What's that? I said I interrupted you before. I apologize. No, that's okay. No, yeah. I was. Just, I was. Uh, that's okay. I was just trying to get. I, I. I don't. I haven't really thought about the question before, and it just kind of came to my mind about you know giving people first round draft picks if they need it because really or maybe it wouldn't have to be a first round maybe something in the first three rounds because you know that those are the type of players that can make impacts uh, on your team you know fairly quickly. They already and, order the rounds reverse. I don't
3: know. I. I, I think the league's in I good know. shape.
1: I got to be yeah. honest with you. I think they're still trying to figure out the overtime thing rather than, you know, the other thing. So both. Let's
3: go to Dave in Manchester. He's up next. Is this Manchester in England, Dave?
5: Manchester, Connecticut.
3: Oh, not quite the same thing. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. What do you are got? A couple of Manchesters <laughs> in New Jersey, too. I think there's, a lot, so you know. uh, there's <laughs> a lot of Manchesters. A
5: lot around, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, you know, I was thinking, um, looking back on our season, this last season uh, with. Um, when um, D.J. went down and Glennon and Fromm struggled so bad, um, it's obvious we need um, another uh, backup quarterback or somebody that can push D.J. a little bit. Um, And um, I was wondering what you guys thought about um, either Mitch Trubisky or uh, Marcus Mariota. Um, Are they both, in your minds, Guys that are similar to DJ's uh, abilities, so that uh, when they build the new system around DJ's abilities, that they they'd fit better than um, than Glennon and Fromm did.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those two those two names to me. I mean, if you all all things being equal, as far as salary and just as from a pure ability standpoint, I think Marcus Mariota is you know way ahead of those two guys that you mentioned. And by the way, you know, he's he's kind of a guy that you could implement in some of the offense that uh, the Giants are going to run because, you know, Daniel Jones does run some RPO stuff. And if you know, watching the Titans this year, Marcus Mariota made his appearance in every game running some sort of, you know, type of play like that. So I agree. I think he would be I'm I'm all for now Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, this why not? What else is out there? I think I want competition at the QB position. You ha- you got to have it because guys, it's not like I don't I want somebody to beat out Daniel Jones, but I know from experience that's made when I played, when I had when I had competition, it made me work harder and it made me define things that I need to improve on in order to one, keep my job and number two, Get a contract going forward, and I think that's important. I think that, that the teams look at that aspect in all categories, not only just quarterback position, but everywhere on the team because competition brings out the best and both people competing, and that's why I want to see that at the quarterback position. I got a tweet,
3: by the way, and uh, appreciate the call. Thanks for the call, man. i got two more I want to get to before we say tweet. goodbye. Appreciate it. Uh, Frank Buffone points out that Dable Calls plays upstairs. Uh, he played oh. call plays from the field his first year, but the last three years he was upstairs.
1: Oh, very good information. I did not realize that. Okay.
3: And now he mentions that you see it on TV. Now that I think about it, whenever they show Brian Dable, he is behind the glass up in the booth. He's right about He's, that. Yeah. Now, I, I don't watch a ton of AFC football, so I only really see it in the playoffs. But the first year he was on the field. Yes, that Which is, that is why, correct.
4: because yes. what happens is we see when uh, NFL
3: Network Talks shows about the B-roll, these coaches, they, they show b and he's on. He's the been field. on the field, right? So that's I think that's where, we where got it's confused. coming from. Frank, uh, good tweet. We appreciate very very the correction. Thank very you very much. Very good piece of information. But of course, if he's hit, the reason we haven't touched on that at all is because obviously, if he's the head coach, he's he's down on the field. So yeah. it's yeah. not it's not really significant <laughs> uh, for uh, what the Giants are going to do. But Frank, good thank point. you for that. Appreciate that. Let's go to Phil in Vermont. He's up next, Phil.
5: Hey guys, how are you? Great show. Hi, thank you really for calling, Phil. So, I'm a little concerned. I, of course, like the press conference, but I think after Joe Judge, I'm a little bit burned on the winning the press conference deal. Bill, Um, I'm
3: a Knicks fan. I've seen winning press conferences for 20 years, and I haven't seen any winning on the court except for, like, two. So, yes, don't take too much out of the press conference. Correct.
2: (laughs) But the
5: one concern I have is I hope he's just kind of being, you know, uh, politically correct here, but... When I look at uh, the roster, both offense and defense, uh, I see a team that's bereft of talent. I I mean, there are good players. There are very few very good to great players. Yeah, see, Phil, I think you're right.
3: I think they have players that are good. I do think they're missing transcendent players. I think that's fair.
5: And uh, my concern is that I, I feel like next year, given our salary cap situation, given our talent level situation, really needs to be a break it down take the hit understand you're going to lose and you're going to lose big but accumulate as many assets as you can for the following draft in any way you can so that you're covered if jones doesn't work you're up where you can make a move on a quarterback or you're up where maybe you can make a move on anderson from alabama i mean these are transcendent type players that can change your franchise and develop the young players that you're going to draft this year, because most of the players that I see that are good on our team, they're not going to be with us when the team is competitive. James Bradbury is probably not going to be with us when the team is actually competitive for a Super Bowl. So, to me,
3: unless you resign those him, obviously, you right. can
5: and get assets.
3: Phil, honestly, and I know Paul's going to disagree with me on this, and I know Jeff probably will too. I would be okay with the way you're looking at it. I think it makes sense. You know, I and this is why I, I made a big point about people being patient last show. I think this is a couple-year process here. To your point, I think the guys out on the team that are good, either their contracts are expiring in the next couple of years or they're going to be a little bit older by the time you think this team can really compete. So I don't necessarily have a problem with, with what you're thinking there, and you can take your pain on the cap this year, and then the next two years you can figure it out. I don't know what the Giants are going to do. Obviously, Joe Shane Paul sent us press comments that they're. What was his quote exactly? His quote
4: was "competitive today and still build for tomorrow."
3: Now that is his goal. Competitive. What does competitive mean? What does competitive mean? Because that can mean a whole lot. Of, you could have a team that plays really hard, doesn't win any games, but they play hard. Is that team competitive? You can make well, the argument that it is, right? Is, like is, I don't know.
5: Like Just remember, the, John, the John Mara the did Copeland put. Years.
3: John Marrow did won put okay I'm three
5: sorry. meaningless games at the end of the year and dropped down where we couldn't get those transcendent players you don't want to be in that middle zone of six and eleven you know uh, that kind of area because you're in no man's land then you know so
4: I will warn I, you, you kind of one thinking, thing I will warn you of one thing John Marrow when he was on his side conversation was asked about, What's the schedule? Do you need to be in the playoffs this year? What how soon do you want this team to turn around? And he said, I have no timetable. We didn't give him anything like that. We didn't mandate playoffs, but I certainly expect to win a lot more than four games. Now I will say this okay? too. Okay, so competitive to him must mean, a hell, you know, he said a lot more than four games. Now, I will say this, though. So, if you want to win four games and be in the tank, that's not what you, that's
3: not what this team is thinking about. Well, here's now. the yeah, thing, no, though. Yeah, exactly,
5: Paul. That's what I'm hearing, and that's what I'm worried yeah, about. Yeah, but Phil,
3: there are only a couple of guys this year that you can act on the way you're talking about, right? Guys like Blake Martinez, guys like Sterling Shepard, guys like James Bradbury. Those are only a few guys, So right? I think if you want to make those type of moves you're talking about with those guys, but Saquon's healthy. Daniel Jones is healthy. Your young guys continue to get better, better. You improve your offensive line. You can still make those types of moves, but still win more than four games. Like you could get to six or seven yeah, games if the schedule is sure easier. Can. Those guys are healthy if your offensive line gets better. But then you also do the types of things you're talking about with those other players. I think In the perfect world, that's what happens. Again, like I said yesterday, I'm not sure if you listened, that's an incredibly tough needle to thread, and we went through this back in 2017 already. It's it's hard to do. I understand why fans would be worried about that and why I would be worried about that. I think it's fair. But I think given just the the, the nature of the contracts on the roster, Phil, there are only so many guys that you could take that posture with this year, even if they want to put your plan into effect, is my point. Phil,
4: it, it, I, is, I, I a difficult, one it is a difficult thing to hear, do, it. But, but hold on I one, one second. Take this into account. Five draft picks in the first three rounds, okay? It is not unreasonable to think you'll get immediate impact out of at least three of those guys. Phil, go ahead. Out of the first five players you take in the draft. And if you can get sure. three rookies who give you immediate impact that puts you a long way into being better than a four win team. Right.
3: Go ahead, Phil.
5: Well that's true. And I mean and again, I'm not I would never advocate deliberately losing games. I mean of I'm just saying that if you've got to if you've got to make a judgment, okay, I got a young player that's maybe not quite right now as good as this sort of mediocre player, but I wanna develop him, then develop it. That's why I didn't think you could bring Judge back because there's no way you could put him in the position of saying your career's on the line and, oh, by the way, you got to play all the young players.
3: No, that, that's a fair point, um, too, Phil. I get that.
5: You know, so, you know, I think it plays out how it plays out. I would definitely not. I, I hear people every day saying, just get rid of Barkley. You're selling low. They would, that makes no sense. That makes, you you no, sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And then you want to see – do we have, can can he come back all the way? And can we get an offensive coordinator in here that actually understands how to use him? <laughs> when people keep calling him a running back, he's a weapon. He's not a running back. If you right, Alvin Kamara is a running back, but he's so much more. He's a bigger Alvin Kamara if you use him correctly. Yeah, the problem We've though is that com-
3: the one problem with, with Phil is that Barkley's had a lot more drops than Kamara has, to be quite frank with you, and his pass protection isn't nearly as good no. as what Kamara has been either. It's so those, those are That's two true. things that need to get That's fixed. True.
5: Agree with you there, but I would at least build him back up. And if you are going to market him, yep. he's a second pick in the draft. I mean, I hear people saying, "Oh, just dump him for a fourth round pick." That makes no sense to me, and that I, I would never do.
3: Well, and the, and the thing is, and, and, and Phil, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. And worst comes to worst, if he comes back and he has a good year, and then let's say he the Giants choose not to re-sign him and leaves him free agency, just as a hypothetical, you could get a third or fourth round compensatory pick for him, depending on the type of contract that he signs. So I think that's how you look at it. Jeff, you've been quiet for a while. You got something?
1: No, no, <laughs> I'm, I, I think, no I, I'm listening. I'm listening. I, I, think they're all, I think they're all good points. And by the way, getting rid of Saquon Barkley is going to save you no money. And so, I mean, he's a lot better than a fourth-round draft pick. And by the way, he's coming back healthy.
3: Well, well, that, Jeff, Jeff, real quick, just trading him would, trading him would get his salary off the books. That's that right. I'm
4: sorry, cutting him, cutting him. Not cutting him that's correct. what I meant. I meant correct. to say that. Mm-hmm. So, but you're not going to be able to trade him but, now. He's damaged goods. That's
1: correct. Yeah, and and I mean, so get him back and get the new offensive coordinator to, like the caller said, use him correctly. Uh, get your offensive line in a little bit of better shape that they can that he can run behind them, and you know have some creativity with that offense, not only with uh, with Saquon Barkley but Kadarius Tony. You got a lot of weapons over there that you got to figure out how you to use them.
3: That, that to me, Jeff, is how the new OC uses Kadarius Tony and Barkley, Galladay. It's huge. No, but Galladay, you put him outside, you throw him the ball. Galladay's going to run routes, but make sure he
4: gets the ball. Well,
3: that's fine. But I'm talking about how, like, look at how the Niners use Debo Samuel. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Now I'm not sure Kadarius Tony can take the beating. Debo Samuel does in that role and stay healthy. Then again, Debo Samuel wasn't the healthiest first two years in the league no, either. He no. was always hurt. So I don't know if he can handle that, but Kadarius Tony's skill set to me always echoed Debo Samuel. That's the I guy understand. that he looked like to I'm me. simply saying, get so, Galladay in the end zone. Because right. there was no excuse right. for him not to be in there. I understand. I understand. All right, let's go to Mike in North Carolina. We'll wrap this up today. Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, hey guys. Um,
6: you know, we were talking about going all in on Daniel Jones. Do you guys think it makes sense for the Giants to reach out and see if we can uh, get Cutcliffe to come in and be like the quarterback consultant and uh, help him along? Hey,
3: I mean, I'm sure he's working with him in the off season anyway, in some way, shape, or form. The Jets did, I would imagine. So I I don't know how much that would necessarily help during the regular season. And I know Cutcliffe got let go from Duke. Does he have a job right now? Right now, no, he does not.
6: No, but you know, just you know, him working with Eli and. Uh, Peyton over the off seasons and just maybe giving that you know uh, reassurance to Jones that he has that like confidence
1: where he has success. Yeah.
3: Well, whomever yeah. they hire, Mike, as the quarterbacks coach, they'll have to make sure that he has that relationship with that guy. Or if they keep, or, or if
1: they keep the current quarterback coach who has a good relationship with Daniel yeah.
3: Jones. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, if they do go a Brian Flores route, he's going to have links to all these guys that were Giants assistants last year that have the New England. Ruth. You know, and like and, Patrick Kane, well, well, like you know Shaplinski, guys
1: like that. Yeah, Shaplinski actually has Dolphins. He was there with, yes. with Flores with Dolphins. Yeah, correct. good point too. Good point too. Correct. So that could be something important. I I, I like the chemistry with uh, Shaplinski. Obviously, I know him and I've had discussions with him, and I think that they work well together. Um, and I think that would be something that would be smart to be able to, you know, because you're going to get a new offense regardless, right? So you you want to try to have every Make every transition, if you're going to try to really market Daniel Jones and get him out there and let's let's get him going, keep everything as simple as you can and, and there isn't a much transition. New, he's a smart guy. He'll pick up a new system. But having your coach there that you've had for a couple of years now, I think that's important, really important. Joe me. Shane has said on
4: every interview he's done, radio, internet, press conference, doesn't matter. He has said you want consistency for your quarterback. Yep. That's yeah. something you yeah. really need to have to give him the best chance to succeed. Keeping Shlopinski around would be
3: a way to at least do some of that. Everybody, yeah. great job on today's show. We had so many callers today that either I didn't remember or were brand new. You guys did a fantastic job. It's or been a good week. And a bunch of guys that have been seldom calls. I know I've called before, but, you know, don't call a lot. Happy everybody got in. We banged through a lot of calls the last couple of days. You guys have kept the show rolling. Excellent job. Thank you for that. Tomorrow we're going to have a show at noon. I don't know who's on it yet because I might be traveling. I might not be. Paul might be traveling. He might not be. So we'll figure out who's on the darn thing, but we'll have a show. I'm on. Jeff will be there. We know that. (laughs) We'll see who's going to be with Jeff. Maybe Jeff will try to sabotage all of us so he can do it by himself. That would be awesome. I tell you what, you guys take the day off. I got it. Story, story time with Jeff Eagles for 60 minutes and phone calls. Oh, that's easy. But for Jeff and Paul Bettino, I am John Schmoke. Stay tuned to Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, all our social media platforms. And by the way, I forgot. Go to the Giants. I was going to do this at the start of the show. I should have. Go to the Giants on podcast, folks. We have all these interviews going up with these Giants coaching candidates. Um Brian Flores will be later on today. After you make the announcement, the interviews concluded. Wesley Frazier, Brian Dable, obviously Dan Quinn's up there, not necessarily relevant anymore, but it's there if you want to listen to it. Um, and make sure you guys go check that out. We also put up Shona Harris' interview with Joe Shane up on the Giants huddle as well. If you want to, if you haven't seen that and you want to listen to it. You can go check that out in the John Settle podcast feed. And here's a tease for next week. Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl, interviewed him this morning. That'll be going up on Monday, and then I'll be heading out to the Senior Bowl on Monday afternoon. I'm John Schmuck for Paul and Jeff. We'll see you tomorrow at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.